Chapter forty one of the Man in the Iron Mask by Alexander Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Wine of Melun. The king had, in point of fact, entered Melun with the intention of merely passing through the city. The youthful monarch was most eagerly anxious for amusements. Only twice during the journey had he been able to catch a glimpse of La Valliere and suspecting that his only opportunity of speaking to her would be after nightfall in the gardens and after the ceremonial of reception had been gone through he had been very desirous to arrive at vaux as early as possible but he reckoned without his captain of the musketeers and without monsieur colbert like calypso who could not be consoled at the departure of ulysses our gascon could not console himself for not having guessed why aramis had asked Passeran, to show him the king's new costumes. "'There is not a doubt,' he said to himself, "'that my friend the Bishop of Van has some motive in that.' And then he began to rack his brains most uselessly. D'Artagnan, so intimately acquainted with all the court intrigues, who knew the position of Fouquet better than even Fouquet himself did, had conceived the strangest fancies and suspicions at the announcement of the fete, which would have ruined a wealthy man and which became impossible utter madness even for a man so poor as he was and then the presence of aramis who had returned from belle-isle and been nominated by monsieur fouquet inspector general of all the arrangements his perseverance in mixing himself up with all the surintendant's affairs his visits to baisemeaux all this suspicious singularity of conduct had excessively troubled and tormented d'artagnan during the last two weeks with men of aramis's stamp he said one is never the stronger except sword in hand so long as aramis continued a soldier there was hope of getting the better of him but since he has covered his cuirass with a stole we are lost but what can aramis's object possibly be and d'artagnan plunged again into deep thought what does it matter to me after all he continued if his only object is to overthrow monsieur colbert then what else can he be after and d'artagnan rubbed his forehead that fertile land whence the plowshare of his nails had turned up so many and such admirable ideas in his time he at first thought of talking the matter over with colbert but his friendship for aramis the oath of earlier days bound him too strictly he revolted at the bare idea of such a thing, and, besides, he hated the financier too cordially. Then again, he wished to unburden his mind to the king, but yet the king would not be able to understand the suspicions which had not even a shadow of reality at their base. He resolved to address himself to Aramis, direct, the first time he met him. "'I will get him,' said the musketeer, "'between a couple of candles.' suddenly and when he least expects it i will place my hand upon his heart and he will tell me what will he tell me yes he will tell me something for mordieu there is something in it i know somewhat calmer d'artagnan made every preparation for the journey and took the greatest care that the military household of the king as yet very inconsiderable in numbers should be well officered and well disciplined in its meagre and limited proportions the result was that, through the captain's arrangements, the king, on arriving at Melun, 
saw himself at the head of both the musketeers and swiss guards as well as a picket of the french guards it might almost have been called a small army Monsieur colbert looked at the troops with great delight he even wished they had been a third more in number but why said the king in order to show greater honor to Monsieur fouquet replied colbert in order to ruin him the sooner thought d'artagnan when this little army appeared before Melun, the chief magistrates came out to meet the king and to present him with the keys of the city and invited him to enter the hotel de ville in order to partake of the wine of honor the king who expected to pass through the city and to proceed to vaux without delay became quite red in the face from vexation who was fool enough to occasion this delay muttered the king between his teeth as the chief magistrate was in the middle of a long address not i certainly replied d'artagnan but i believe it was monsieur colbert colbert having heard his name pronounced said what was monsieur d'artagnan good enough to say i was good enough to remark that it was you who stopped the king's progress so that he might taste the vin de brie was i right quite so monsieur in that case then it was you whom the king called some name or other what name i hardly know but wait a moment idiot i think it was no no it was fool or dolt yes his majesty said that the man who had thought of the van de Melun was something of the sort d'artagnan after this broadside quietly caressed his mustache monsieur colbert's large head seemed to become larger and larger than ever d'artagnan seeing how ugly anger made him did not stop halfway the orator still went on with his speech while the king's color was visibly increasing mordieu said the musketeer coolly the king is going to have an attack of determination of blood to the head where the deuce did you get hold of that idea monsieur colbert you have no luck monsieur said the financier drawing himself up my zeal for the king's service inspired me with the idea <laughs> monsieur maloon is a city an excellent city which pays well and which it would be imprudent to displease there now i who do not pretend to be a financier saw only one idea in your idea what was that monsieur that of causing a little annoyance to monsieur fouquet who is making himself quite giddy on his donjons yonder and waiting for us this was a home stroke hard enough in all conscience colbert was completely thrown out of the saddle by it and retired thoroughly discomfited fortunately the speech was now at an end the king drank the wine which was presented to him and then everyone resumed the progress through the city the king bit his lips in anger for the evening was closing in and all hope of a walk with la valliere was at an end in order that the whole of the king's household should enter vaux four hours at least were necessary owing to the different arrangements the king therefore who was boiling with impatience hurried forward as much as possible in order to reach it before nightfall but at the moment he was setting off again other and fresh difficulties arose is the king not going to sleep at Melun? said colbert in a low tone of voice to d'artagnan 
Monsieur Colbert must have been badly inspired that day to address himself in that manner to the chief of the musketeers, for the latter guessed that the king's intention was very far from that of remaining where he was. D'Artagnan would not allow him to enter Vaux except he were well and strongly accompanied, and desired that his majesty would not enter except with all the escort. On the other hand, he felt that these delays would irritate that impatient monarch beyond measure. In what way could he possibly reconcile these difficulties? D'Artagnan took up Colbert's remark and determined to repeat it to the king. "'Sire,' he said, "'Monsieur Colbert has been asking me if your majesty does not intend to sleep at Melun.' "'Sleep at Melun? What for?' exclaimed Louis the Fourteenth. "'Sleep at Melun? Who in heaven's name can have thought of such a thing when Monsieur Fouquet is expecting us this evening?' it was simply replied colbert quickly the fear of causing your majesty the least delay for according to the established etiquette you cannot enter any place with the exception of your own royal residences until the soldiers quarters have been marked out by the quartermaster and the garrison properly distributed d'artagnan listened with the greatest attention biting his mustache to conceal his vexation and the queens were not less interested. They were fatigued, and would have preferred to go to rest without proceeding any farther, more especially in order to prevent the king walking about in the evening with Monsieur de Saint-Aignan and the ladies of the court. For, if etiquette required the princesses to remain within their rooms, the ladies of honor, as soon as they had performed the services required of them, had no restrictions placed upon them, but were at liberty to walk about as they pleased, it will easily be conjectured that all these rival interests, gathering together in vapors, necessarily produced clouds, and that the clouds were likely to be followed by a tempest. The king had no mustache to gnaw, and therefore he kept biting the handle of his whip instead with ill-concealed impatience. How could he get out of it? D'Artagnan looked as agreeable as possible, and Colbert as sulky as he could— who was there he could get in a passion with? "'We will consult the Queen,' said Louis the Fourteenth, bowing to the royal ladies, and this kindness of consideration softened Maria Theresa's heart, who, being of a kind and generous disposition, when left her own free will, replied, "'I shall be delighted to do whatever your Majesty wishes.' "'How long will it take us to get to Vaux?' inquired anne of austria in slow and measured accents placing her hand upon her bosom where the seat of her pain lay an hour for your majesty's carriages said d'artagnan the roads are tolerably good the king looked at him and a quarter of an hour for the king he hastened to add we should arrive by daylight said louis the fourteenth but the billeting of the king's military escort objected colbert softly will make his majesty lose all the advantage of his speed however quick he may be double ass that you are thought d'artagnan if i had any interest or motive in demolishing your credit with the king i could do it in ten minutes if i were in the king's place he added aloud i should in going to monsieur fouquet leave my escort behind me i should go to him as a friend I should enter accompanied only by my captain of the guards. I should consider that I was acting more nobly, 
and should be invested with a still more sacred character by doing so delight sparkled in the king's eyes that is indeed a very sensible suggestion we will go to see a friend as friends the gentlemen who are with the carriages can go slowly but we who are mounted will ride on and he rode off accompanied by all those who were mounted colbert hid his ugly head behind his horse's neck i shall be quits said d'artagnan as he galloped along by getting a little talk with aramis this evening and then monsieur fouquet is a man of honor mordieu i have said so and it must be so and this was the way how towards seven o'clock in the evening without announcing his arrival by the din of trumpets and without even his advanced guard without outriders or musketeers the king presented himself before the gate of vaux where fouquet who had been informed of his royal guest's approach had been waiting for the last half-hour with his head uncovered surrounded by his household and his friends end of chapter forty one recording by john van stan savannah georgia